Okay, welcome back to the Intel podcast, where this episode we're going to be discussing asynchronous activity, everybody's favorite topic. My name is Yusuf Deary, and I'm joined today by my fellow learning technologists, Tab Betts and Ellis Taylor. Hey. Hey, exciting times, asynchronous activities. <laughs> so before we jump into it, I always find it useful to be able to kind of get through some of the jargon or some of the technical terms. Because often what I find is, is that a term like asynchronous that we end up using to describe an activity, we actually have another easier way of thinking about it that a lot of, a lot of people are much more comfortable with. But before we get to that, it's always good to start with an official definition. So the definition that I find the most useful hopefully you guys do as well, when it comes to asynchronous activities, is one from Mashadi and Kargozari, taken from 2011, which basically defines an asynchronous learning, which the tasks are obviously a part of, as a student-centered teaching method that uses online learning resources to facilitate information sharing outside the constraints of time and place among a network of people. A much easier way of grasping it that I find is it's basically homework. It's stuff that you set your students to do in their own time outside of the class. I like the term homework much more, but asynchronous sounds a lot fancier. As with majority of homework, whether you're taking a flipped approach or a, uh, uh, a different type of approach to your learning, you can often set your homework or your asynchronous tasks in terms of pre or post the classroom. It's up to you when you basically decide to set it and what it is that you, you want to be able to do with it. But what we thought would be interesting to discuss in today's podcast is the process which we go through when we're thinking about designing asynchronous activities or setting homework for our students. That would be interesting and useful for them, especially in today's context of learning online the majority of the time, but also thinking about that eventual transition to face-to-face uh, -face teaching again. So, Tab, Ellis, what are your views on asynchronous activities? How do you feel about them in relation to the design process? And yeah, anything you want to get off your chest in relation to asynchronous activities? Well, first of all, I think that um, asynchronous activities are um, actually one of the most important things that teachers can do. I think when you're designing them, it's good to think of it in an experiential way because ultimately the learning experiences that stay with us are those that we connect with and create an experience that is memorable. Um, so I think trying to think beyond just the, basic, the basics of, of kind of what you would normally do in a homework activity. So, the basic thing is normally you might give students a worksheet or a question to answer and they have to just fill it out, um, which is fine. And it's also it's a useful kind of asynchronous task, but there are so many other things that we can do. So during the design part of it, when we're thinking, what should they do? Try to think creatively about what is possible. So could I ask them to like make a short video or record a short podcast as we're doing now or could I ask them to create an infographic instead of um, writing a paragraph? Or, you know, there are so many different ways to express ideas and information. Why not branch that out into something different? Um, and we'll talk more about some other sort of tasks that people can do. But um, 
I think the other thing is is to think when you talk about how should they do it one thing I'd recommend is actually try doing the task that you set them yourself so you can see how long it takes and how difficult it is and whether it what you're asking them to do is actually reasonable or not um, yeah and then you know obviously thinking about what you're asking them to submit so how will you assess it it's I think it's often easy to say I'll oh, oh well I want you to do this but actually sometimes it's much harder it takes much longer than you expect um, so that's why I recommend giving it a go yourself mm. I also think it's really important as an educator to think about why you're asking them to do this asynchronous task are you asking them to test learning that's already taken place are you asking them sort of from a flipped learning point of view you want them to go away and gather some information on something and then bring that back to the classroom because that is going to obviously impact what what they do how they do it and how you assess it and I think asynchronous tasks are actually a really interesting way of exploring those muddiest points with our students a little bit more it, it either you know if it's a flipped learning approach it allows us to find what students maybe didn't understand ahead of going into that content or if we've already covered content it allows us to understand what students might be struggling with a little bit because it's I think we can all agree it's quite easy to nod along when you're in a sort of typical teacher student setting um, and it might not be as easy to see from that when students are struggling um, so these asynchronous tasks can be quite useful for teasing that out as well. No, you're absolutely spot on. You're absolutely spot on. And it really does come back to being able to answer that question of what role do you want your tasks to play in relation to the learning journey that your students are going to go on? Um, at this point, I think it would be useful for us to be able to kind of discuss 15 uh, activity ideas that as a learning technologist team, we've been recommending to teachers to be able to use. Um, should be noted that these were designed by our very own tab. It came up with uh, these different activity ideas. So if you find any of them useful, please make sure to send any of the praise his way. But also feel free to include us in those emails as well so we can bask in that reflective glory. Um, but it might be an idea to, 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 to kind of go through them. So I'll start with the first three, uh, introduce them, and then we'll kind of go through them. Not, not in great depth, uh, but just to kind of get your minds going in relation to the possibilities. So the first one has been mentioned is you can ask your students to complete a worksheet. Um, that is a relatively simple thing to ask them to be able to do. It might be in relation to a reading. You might get them to listen to a piece of audio or a video, but just complete a worksheet. Second thing that you could ask them to do is type up some notes in relation to what it is that they've learned, uh, something that they're thinking about or anything along those lines, or maybe even get them to do it by hand. Because sometimes I feel like we get trapped into thinking that because we're doing digital learning and everything's online, that we always have to use the computer. And sometimes we don't have to. Sometimes it might be nice to set your students a task where you're actually asking them to step away from the computer for a bit, write up something, and then post a picture back online as, as proof that they basically, not proof necessarily, but that they've done the activity. Uh, so for the next few, uh, if Ellis or Tab, if you wanna, if you wanna go through them. Sure. Did you want to go, Alice, or should I take these three? Uh, I, I, oh, oh, jump in. Um, so we've also got things like reflective journals and blogs. Um, obviously, very useful for students to actually kind of 
track their progress sometimes. Um, you know, I think it's easy for all of us in the moment to uh, lose sight of how far we've come. So that's really useful and can be a real motivator for students who pay, perhaps are a little bit uh, lacking in confidence uh, to kind of see that journey and reflect back on their progress. Also got things like recording short videos um, or, or screen recordings um, can be a really useful way, again, to test students' understanding of things. You might have them provide a voiceover over, you know, a, a PowerPoint about a subject, or you might have them take you through a process um, and, and record their screen and narrate that as they go. So again, quite useful for, for teasing out any areas that perhaps students are not as comfortable with. And then we've also got things like recording a short piece of audio. So this, as Yusuf was just saying a moment ago, is a really useful way of perhaps getting students away from the computer or more importantly, the screen. You might ask them to wander around their property or wherever they're based and narrate the things that they come across. And they could do that with their phone, for example, recording their voice um, and then just up upload the audio at a later date. So it's, it's a useful way of managing their screen time as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, some other ideas which sort of relate to that are asking students to create a short animation. So um, there are some good tools for doing this kind of thing. There's like a tool called Videoscribe that um, allows you to create short kind of explainer type um, animations. And sometimes animations can be quite an engaging way to, um, to learn about something or to share information. And even if you're teaching something like mathematics, you could um, still use an animation to show, for example, um, your workings out of a problem. So you could actually have a sort of, you know, one of those animated pens sort of showing the working out process, or you could show a graph changing over time. Um, and that sort of leads on to another idea, which is creating an infographic. I think infographics can be very powerful ways to represent data. Um, or theories and infographics are, are quite easy to create as well now because there are lots of tools. So something like Canva, for example, might be a good way to create an infographic because um, that allows you to, to sort of, it gives you lots of design options and um, you can present information in quite a clear and uh, succinct way. Uh, another way would be to create a timeline. So um, some tools such as Padlet, for example, allow you to create a timeline um, and that can be a good way to understand the development of an idea or the development of a subject or the key key people in the history of a subject. And creating a timeline can be quite a, a good way to do that. And you can ask students to do that as a way for them to get familiar with the history of that subject. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Tab. Another few ideas are that we could ask our students to take photos. So that might be about sending them out into the wider world or even just around their house where you're asking them to grab a photo that relates to a very particular task that you're asking them to be able to do. Now, this one very much puts the onus back onto the student in order to kind of go out into their environment and be able to grab something. Another one that you could actually do is ask your students to find something. So you could set the task as find a dot 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 and whatever you're asking them to find might be in the physical world where you're asking them to go outside and find for a business example find a example of a good poster that shows uh, advertisement of a particular type of product that you really liked and then you can ask them to explain why they liked it or it might even be trying to ask them to find a particular piece of information on the internet so it could be asking them to find a reference or a citation or a video that explains a certain type of concept 
Um, the next one is asking students to complete an online scavenger hunt by doing online research to find different pieces of information that have kind of been jotted around a different place. So some of it might require them to go to a particular news website, for example, and pull out certain news from a particular article. But the idea is it's a scavenger hunt where they're trying to get different pieces of information from different parts of the internet and bring it all together in order to be able to complete the task. Yeah, absolutely. And that links to uh, another podcast episode that we have, which is about escape rooms. Um, so another idea you could do is actually create an online escape room for students. Um, and either you could create one for them to complete, or you could even ask them to create puzzles for uh, an online escape room for their peers to complete. Um, and I think this idea of like almost getting students to create activities around the subject matter can be really powerful. So whereas a teacher would normally create quizzes to test student knowledge, um, I, for example, worked with a really great uh, psychology lecturer who created, who got the students to create quizzes um, around different uh, academic papers that they had read. Um, so each week in the seminar, they would they would actually uh, have to complete a different quiz created by one of their classmates. Um, and mm. that was something they really enjoyed and seemed to be a really effective um, way to get them to learn. And, and that sort of ties into a broader thing that you could do, which is just getting them to create any kind of activities. You could actually get them to create a classroom activity and then actually everyone can try completing that together. Um, and I think that's quite good because it it gets learners to almost think about the learning process and sort of reverse engineer the process of teaching and learning. Um, so they're they're kind of co-creators of it um, rather than just being passive recipients of it. Yeah, I think the one thing um, to be mindful of with all of these activities, though, is to just kind of keep half an eye on accessibility and make sure that you're keeping those varied. Don't always choose the same activity um, on the basis that, you know, some students might not be able to do a scavenger hunt because they, you know, they might live in a studio flat and not be able to go anywhere other than their small immediate area, especially with sort of regulations that are in place at the moment, or they might not have the ability to record audio. So if you were to consistently choose something in that manner, it could hamper some students. So just keeping it varied um, so that everyone's included, but also for sanity's sake as well. Such a good point. And also, um, you could give them more than one option. So if they can't record audio, they could also present it in another format. So maybe, you know, allowing them to choose from a number of options of how they present their information. Mm, no, all, all very powerful points. And, and, and I guess that that almost leads to our roundup of the general tips around asynchronous activities that we would recommend is that complete the activity yourself as you design it go through it yourself this will allow you to be able to check that everything works you'll be able to identify any issues and you'll be able to identify the areas that students might struggle with and start kind of fixing them ahead of time uh, we also recommend that you try and keep it as short and sweet as possible. And if you are going to set a longer task, make sure that it's deep enough to warrant the extra time, but also factor in the fact that there might be other work that students will need to do. So you don't want to set a task that will take two hours to complete, for example, knowing that your students will also have other subjects that they're trying to complete work for. And finally, wherever possible, think about tasks where students can complete work away from the screen. Digital fatigue is a very real thing and 
if we can help limit that and also add a bit of diversity in terms of the tasks that we're asking them to do, it will be able to make the learning process that little bit more fun. Uh, so with that having been said, thank you very much for joining us on uh, today's Tell Learning podcast. We've been the learning technologist team at Into and um, have, have a great day and good luck with setting your asynchronous activities. And we say good luck, not in the sense of it's going to be difficult to do, but rather we're excited to see what you guys come up with. So please do let us know. Yeah, Bye. enjoy. Thanks, everyone. Bye.